Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Good evening and welcome to Thorn and Cross Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we get down to business, here's Tamara to tell you a little about our uh, latest novel, Exorcism, which is book three in the Ravencrest saga, and it came out just a couple weeks ago. It did. Midnight, the witching hour, watery echoes in an empty building. The grand Greek pool at Ravencrest Manor babbles and gurgles as chlorine-scented water pumps, flowing like cool blood in veins and arteries. The moon, full and high above the arched glass ceiling, shines its light into the cobalt pool, casting splintered rays across the water, picking up golden highlights as it reflects on the constellations, planets and moons set into the bottom of the pool. A spring and a sunk from a tall diving board, and then a splash, someone dives in, and somehow water explodes into the air. The sound ebbs and flows with movement. But if no human ear is present to hear it, no eye to see it, can these things be real, or are they merely tricks of light and sound, courtesy of Mother Nature? Soft golden lamps flicker to life, and then music faints. Faint but unmistakable rises and echoes. Eddie Cantor, if you knew Susie like I know Susie. Oh, oh, what a girl. Laughter, the sound of a party of voices, of glasses clinking. Something white and serpentine slithers and stirs beneath the water like glowing, cold silk. There and gone again in an instant. All right, and uh, Exorcism, the Ravencrest Saga, uh, is book three of the Ravencrest Saga, and it's available now at Amazon uh, in paperback and ebook. And if you need to brush up on uh, the previous books in the series, uh, The Ghosts of Ravencrest and The Witches of Ravencrest are available as well. All right, again, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our website, solacercross.com and tamarthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thorningcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at CrossAlister and at Tamarthorn. You can visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook, and if you uh, Instagram, uh, you can find us at, at @thorningcross or at official underscore Alistair Cross. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. And tonight is uh, why our special YA night, and that means that we are joined by our co-host, uh, QL Pierce. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and she's going to take it away. QL Pierce is our multi-award-winning co-host. Uh, she's the author of Scary Stories for Sleepovers and over 150 other books for middle grade and young adult readers. Her latest, Spine Chillers, is available now in ebook and paperback at Amazon. Welcome aboard, Q. Thank you for coming. How are you? Thank you so much. I am doing well, thank you. And um, I'm really glad to be here to, to talk to our special guest, uh, Gwen Dandridge. Lives in Central California, though so her mind often wanders to medieval times and back. When she isn't writing, she gardens. Bakes, makes stained glass, or does dog therapy with her golden retriever. She is the author of the YA novel, The Dragon's Chosen, 
and the stone lions and the Jin's Jess both masked magical middle grade fantasies. Her books have garnered such honors as being named a Wishing Shelf Book Award finalist and Indie Bragg Medallion recipients. So welcome, Gwen. Well, thank you. I'm so tickled to be here. Well, I'm, I can't wait to talk to you about uh, The Dragon's Chosen, but let's start with a, a little bit of background on you. You, you. you appear to lean toward the fantasy genre. Was that what you enjoyed reading as a child? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I found the Purple Fairy book very early in my life, and it was um, then I just went through all the colors and all the shades. So, yes, so, absolutely. I, what's your favorite fairy tale? Oh, I think it was always Beauty and the Beast. Oh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, oh you know, I'm not surprised that that's your favorite. Um <laughs> I, I read that you were on uh, an Outward Bound trip on the Colorado River where you were introduced to the book The Hobbit. How did that influence you in your writing? Oh, wow. Oh, that's impressive that you found that one out. Um, <laughs> I was on an Outward Bound trip, my, my alumni trip down the river with two women and 26 guys. And um, I was totally intimidated. Um, they were, I was sure they didn't want a girl on the trip, and I was very nervous. Uh, and one of the leaders, I was asking him what he was reading, because I read all the time, and he said, The Hobbit. And I was like, The Hobbit? What's that about? And he's like, well, um, elves and dwarves and princesses. And I was like, huh. <laughs> um, and then I read it. And then I fell in love, of course, with it. I used to read it every year just when I would get restless. And so I'm sure end. you went up to the Lord of the Rings. Huh? Oh, absolutely, and the Cimmerillion. Oh, well, you did. You read more than I have of it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a there's a little bit in the um, in the Dragon's Chosen. I can feel that sense, you know, of the, the mystical and um, the, the magical in it. And it is a fantasy, but it incorporates elements of women's rights and cultural diversity and time travel. Uh, was that always your goal, or did the story morph as you wrote it? The story definitely morphed as I wrote it. Um, I didn't know much about Chris when I wrote it, when I started. And then I knew lots more about her toward the end. Um, I wanted to write a book that looked at both conservative and liberal views and looked at the best and the worst of both of them. And, of course, I'm a feminist, so everything has to be from that, everything comes from that perspective from me. Okay, can you give us an overview without giving away any of the the twists and turns? Can you give us an overview of uh, the Dragon's Chosen? Oh, absolutely. Um, the Dragon's Chosen's about a princess who's been chosen to be sacrificed to the dragons, 
and she ends up with a fairy godmother type character who's her age, but from a different time period, and who comes in, and they end up going on this journey together and solving the problem about the dragons. Is that close enough? And, uh, yeah, I think it's okay to tell where where in time the fairy godmother comes from. Ah, oh, the fairy godmother comes from the 1970s. And I wrote it because I wanted uh, also to um, to change the mythos of the fairy godmother into from you know, a middle-aged, plump lady to somebody who was vibrant and contrary and someone who would challenge the princess's values and someone who would be an equal partner in solving the problem. Well, one of the things I really liked, um, and Chris is um, a student at Berkeley, so when every, whenever she shows up, she's always got those T-shirts on, and <laughs> I, yeah. that always gave me a laugh. <laughs> when whatever was written on her T-shirt, and of course the people, you know, and the story have no idea what any of that means. But I just thought that was a great way to introduce humor into it as well. And, and um, I of course don't want to say where it goes or how it ends, but um, I'm interested in what happens after the end of the story. So I'm wondering if you have any plans to do a follow-up. I have thought about it many times about taking Chris's daughter and Harold and putting them together and seeing what would happen. But I have not written it. Okay. And, um, Maybe um, it would be kind of interesting too to see it from Chris's point of view when you know from her spring going back. So um, I, I encourage you. I would like to know what happens after because I love the ending, but I kept I I really want to know <laughs> what comes next. <laughs> so it would be all- fun to write, but no, I haven't written that one. Okay, I'll wait. Um, so you also write middle grade books uh, that yes. entertain and introduce math concepts without being didactic. How do you find that balance? Oh, um, I was asked to write that book. That's how I started writing. And okay. um, I was asked by a friend of mine from Dartmouth University who was a math professor and they took me to the Alhambra, where there were symmetries all over the wall, and she asked me to write a book that could appeal to young kids and teach them line, line uh, band symmetry, but not not be tedious. So uh, it wasn't as hard. I mean, it was hard to write because I had to do so much research on the Alhambra and math and. Uh, cultures in that time, which are hard to find about, but I had to create. Yeah, um, I had to create a story that's the stone around lion. it. Yeah, that's the stone lion. Yeah. Okay. So um, basically, I created a story where math was integral to 
solving the problem for a little girl. And that just, I just pushed the whole thing through that. The story Can I use, has to be, I'm sorry. You said that, um, a quote, arithmetic is numbers, but math is not necessarily so constrained. What do you mean by that? Oh, I am math phobic. I am the world's, you put numbers in front of me and I will absolutely panic. The simplest numbers, just because, I mean, I can do them, but I have to sit back and, and after I panic. But, but math isn't about numbers. Math is about logic. I do very well with logic. So once you understand that there's a separation between those two, it makes it easier to approach, especially for kids who are having trouble with arithmetic. Um, it's comforting, I think, for them to know that they can be very good mathematicians and not be able to multiply very well. So the second book um, in that pair is The Jin's Jest. Um, so you, you've taken fantasy and given kids a way to sort of lose their fear of math by working it into the fantasy story. So tell us a little bit about The Jin's Jest. What's the story on there? The Jin's Jest takes, the, uh, takes Ara, the main character from the first story, and it moves her into a Venetian ship um, on, a, on a trip to um, help rescue uh, Granada uh, and again. And this time they run into um, a djinn, and a djinn who gives them a magic, magical challenge. And because, in my theory, djinns uh, grow by, by math um, and work from math, he gives them math challenges. And so they have to know math challenges, but they're logic problems. They're not arithmetic problems. Mm. Okay. So you've been a systems analyst and you have a degree in uh, psychology. How does that background influence your writing? (laughs) Um, Let's see. Psychology, not very much. Um, it helps me to try to think inside my character's brains for sure. Uh, try to think what would motivate them, and to know some of the uh, things that can go wrong in people's mental mental perspectives. That's about mm-hmm. it. So. Okay, what, and uh, what are you working on now? Oh, I'm working on three books right now. Um, I'm working on Dark, which is the probably close to the darkest book I write. I usually write, you know, the three that you mentioned are pretty cheery. Dark is a woman who's blind during the day, and she seeks answers to her heritage during a quest to find her guardian. Um, and that mm-hmm. one is mostly done with the first draft. I'm probably two-thirds of the way, maybe more, of that. I have a book that is entitled Hybrid. It's a terrible name. It has to get a new name, but I don't have one for it. And it's a 
about, it's not a fantasy. It's about a Kurdish refugee with PTSD and her struggle to adopt in California. And she finds a koi dog, um, half a half um, coyote, half dog, that she bonds uh-huh. with and um, helps her to settle and grow into her life here. It's kind of a fun book. I worked with a a young woman who is Kurdish, um, and when I met her, she was 15. I met her after I started writing the book, and so she helped me an incredible amount with the research on that. Okay, and there's one more. Oh, right, Lady. Lady is a young, a young adult, and Lady came from the theory of from the. Remember, they always put these girls in these towers, always crystal towers. They're always up there, and I used to wonder why they were there until I had teenage daughters, and then I understood it was <laughs> not so, <laughs> not so much to protect the daughter, but to protect the rest of the world. Right. Um, so I got to thinking, well, what if instead of being a lady who got trapped in a magic tower, what if it was a really raucous Highland girl who got trapped up there? <laughs> and she has to find, and, and there's a, you know, someone in a, within a mirror who talks to her who's all pompous, a guy, and is just totally surprised by not having who he expects to be in this tower, and also to put them all in danger. Of course, they all have to be in danger because that's what I do. So when you're working on these three at one time, do you? Uh, what does that look like? Do you work a little bit every day on, on each of them, or do you uh, spend a certain amount of time on one and then move on, or how does that work? It varies. Um, recently I've been spending a lot of time on dark, because I so wanted to get a, a complete draft of that. And it's been a struggle. Um, the mythology on the, the priestesses and the world that she goes to has been interesting. So I had been mm-hmm. working on that pretty consistently. But usually what I'd like to do is switch off because I get stuck or I get bored and then I will pick up the next one and find that one interesting and work a little bit on that. So that's how I often work. Hey, are, do you have time for just reading in, in between <laughs> when you're writing? I read all what the time. What are you reading now? Overstory. What was that? Overstory is what I'm reading right now. Overstory. Oh, I've heard about that. Okay. That's excellent. Um, now, I know that you also have a, an awful lot of things that you do that keep you busy, and one of them um, is baking. And oh, yes. I've heard that you bring marvelous goodies to celebrate a book launch. So uh, what are some of your specialties for launching a book? For launching a book, oh, well, yeah, uh-huh. that's one of the things I'm actually good at. I'm a decent baker. Um, I, for book launches, I bring macarons, um, the little fancy 
almond cookies with yeah. um I make lots of those. And uh, any kind of cookie or cake. Oh, I, I did a whole bunch of, of blood orange upside down cakes for one event. And because I had a lot of I had a lot of blood oranges in my yard, and so I did blood orange upside down cake. I did blood orange pound cake. I did blood orange cookies. I did, um, for that event, <laughs> that's what I, so I had. You need to let us know when the next book launches, because that sounds like you know. <laughs> I'd love to try some of the blood orange cookies. So um, I, I feed well. Um, I am known for feeding well. So. Oh, good. <laughs> now I also read that you. I have no idea what this is. You dance Morris, an English <laughs> sword. What is I that? I did. Um, <laughs> Morris is uh, an obscure form of, of English dance, which involves either sticks or hankies. And with sticks, you hit as hard as you can other people's sticks, and you dance during this process um, with six people in a group, usually. And uh, it's often done by guys. Um, I got to dance okay. at the Sidmouth. Sidmouth uh, International Dance Festival many, 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 many years ago. Um, and that was just a lot of fun. We were the first, um, quote-unquote, mixed uh, sword team to dance there. And that means both male and female. They almost always did a single sex, and mostly only guys do it. But we had both on our team. And it involves... Um, it's a very fast, uh, the sword dancing is very fast. So, and it involves um, sprung steel um, uh, swords between the people, and they bend in half. And so, huh? if you let go, they go thwack, and people get very badly hurt. So, you never, ever, ever let go. <laughs> There's three rules with sword dancing. Don't let go, don't let go, and don't let go. So, <laughs> well, it depends on how you feel about the other people in the group, you know. It does, you exactly. Know, yeah. Did they cross me <laughs> again? <laughs> but it's, and, it's um, a very exciting form of dance. And the, the one other thing that I really wanted to uh, hear a little bit about was I know that in The Dragon's Chosen, the horses played a, a good role in there, and you were very descriptive about the type of horses and um, how they felt about them and everything. And you uh, have jumped horses, not over them, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Is that yeah, something right. I used to do? I, I used to jump, and I loved it. And my uncle raised um, my uncle raised Appaloosa, uh, t- uh, t- Appaloosa horses and Tennessee walkers. So um, I was super Ooh. fortunate that I got to spend a summer living on a Tennessee walking horse. Um, it was just oh. a grand time. Well, it's funny. I had this image right now of somebody with one of those swords on. One of the horses, you know, <laughs> not whacking anybody, hopefully, with the sword. But um, 
Okay, so I'm hoping that there will be uh, something new on the horizon that that uh, will be coming out soon. When's your next book coming out? Don't have a date yet. I'm trying to get both Lady and Hybrid beaten into shape so that they will go out and I won't be embarrassed, which is always important. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so that is my, my next goal. I could probably get enough. Lady is so close. It's, it's hard to know. Okay, so if people want to know more about what you're working on or find you or find the books, um, what is, what's your social media? How can they find you? Oh, <laughs> I don't know that they can find me by, by looking me up on Facebook. Probably is the easiest way. Or okay. Amazon. On, Amazon's probably the closest work way. Look me up on Amazon on uh, The Dragon's Chosen. That would be a simple way to do it. Okay, great. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us uh, about your books. And I so enjoyed The Dragons Chosen. It's, dragons are one of my favorite uh, characters. So <laughs> thank you, Gwen, so much for coming and talking to us. Well, it was such a pleasure, and thank you for inviting me. You guys are lovely. Oh, okay. Alistair, yeah, I'm turning uh, it over to you. All right. Um, yep, I'm, I'm just going to echo what Q said. Thank you for being on, Gwen. It was a pleasure to meet you. Um, I've enjoyed you on Facebook, and uh, it was nice meeting you. Um, and uh, keep writing, and you're welcome back anytime, and keep in touch. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. And to the listeners, thank you, everybody, for listening. And until next week, we wish you haunted nights. Sweet screams. And be sure to check under the bed before you turn off the light. Thank you for listening. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.